Another episode of Radio Rounds, the podcast interview series presented by St. Louis Children's Hospital, covering pediatric topics of interest to doctors and healthcare professionals. Here's Melanie Cole. Treatment options for clubfoot have evolved through the years and with early intervention, children with clubfoot have high rates of correction. You're listening to Radio Rounds, the podcast series from Washington University pediatric specialists at St. Louis Children's Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole, and joining me is Dr. Puya Hoysenzada. He's a Washington University pediatric orthopedic surgeon at St. Louis Children's Hospital, and he's joining the show today to talk more about diagnosing clubfoot, treatment options, and when to consult with a specialist at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Dr. Hoysenzada, it's a pleasure to have you join us again. It's been a little while. So tell us a little bit about clubfoot and the prevalence, and what have you been seeing? Thank you so much for having me again. So clubfoot is a congenital deformity that is present at birth. And traditionally in the past, if you look at the years before 2000, it used to be treated with extensive surgery around age one. Since the year 2000, the treatment has changed all across the world and mostly in the United States. And we are now treating most clubfeet very successfully with casting followed by minimally invasive surgery, which is an Achilles tenotomy. They respond really well. I would say close to 95 to 100% of children with club feet respond to this initial casting and minimally invasive surgery really well. So this actually has been a great change in the world of pediatric orthopedics in the treatment of club foot deformity. Although it is very successful, the outcome really depends on how well that casting is performed. So it's very important that it starts at the right time and actually the right technique is performed to correct the club foot deformity. Typically after the casting, the children will be placed in braces, which is usually full-time for about three months and nighttime up to about three years of age. Tell us a little bit about diagnosis. Doctor, is this something that you can see in utero, or do we only find out once a child is born? So actually, with the recent advances with intrauterine imaging, uh, a lot of the patients that we see now, the diagnosis has been made in utero. Typically, the diagnosis can be made with the ultrasounds after about 20 weeks of gestation. Of course, the diagnosis that is made in utero is not as accurate as the diagnosis after birth. So some of those feet that are called clubfoot with in utero ultrasounds may turn out to be kind of normal feet when the child is born, but it is about 70-80% accuracy in some of the studies with the diagnosis in utero. So yes, the diagnosis can be made in utero but it's confirmed when the child is born. Tell us a little bit more about complex clubfoot. What is that? So complex clubfoot, we have actually two forms of complex clubfoot. One of them is a child that is born with a complex clubfoot. The way the, the deformities in the foot in a complex clubfoot are different than a typical clubfoot. They have more of a rigid, what we call a cavus and plantar flexion deformity, which is the foot is staying more down than turned in. And the first ray is shorter and it's hyperextended in the complex clubfoot. So some children are born with this complex clubfoot. Typically, it's seen in the setting of 
underlying syndromic and neuromuscular conditions, typically arthrogryposis, that we may see these. And of course, the treatment for that, the way we cast them and the way we approach the treatment is different. The other form of complex clawfoot that we see more often is the child that is born with a typical clawfoot, and then the treatment with casting has started. And for some reason, the cast may get loose and the child foot slips in the cast. And if it's the foot stays in that slip position for a while, actually the deformity will change and the typical cough foot will turn into a complex cough foot, which is a kind of a challenging problem to treat. You have to change the way you cast the feet to, in order to address the complex club feet. Well, then tell us a little bit about your program at St. Louis Children's Hospital. What support do you provide families? How long has your team been caring for clubfoot kids? Tell us a little bit about the multidisciplinary approach that's necessary for these kids as they go through the casting and physical therapy and any surgical interventions. So our team at St. Louis Children's actually have been one of the first in the country to adopt that casting method of clawfoot treatment in the country. So I would say the casting has been done at this hospital for over the past 20 years. So the parents typically reach out to us or the other physicians reach out to us sometimes when the diagnosis is made in utero. Uh, and we get in touch with parents. We They are provided with a handout of what to expect as far as the treatment that usually helps a lot with the parents' anxiety about what they should expect in we will let them know that with this method of treatment, they should expect really great results and their kids will be able to participate in most of the activities that other kids are typically able to participate in. So that's from before birth. So if we give them the handout and they still have questions, we would typically see them for a prenatal consult to go over the questions and concerns they have. After the child is born, we typically start casting. Ideally, uh, we would like to start it within the first month or two if possible. The younger the child, the more flexible the ligaments and tendons are, and they respond better to stretching with casts. Typically, although I can't say the number of casts that they require, they typically undergo weekly casting, typically somewhere between four to six casts are required. Then about 90% of the children who've had the casting would require lengthening of the Achilles tendon. And as I said, afterwards they go in braces. The importance of a multidisciplinary approach is having a team of nurses who've been involved with this method for a long period of time. We have the dedicated therapy department who have been involved with this method of treatment and typically see these kids after the casting process is done because part of the uh, Clawfoot is also weakness in some of the muscle groups, so addressing that with uh, therapists is an important piece. And of course, our orthotics and prosthetic department have been very involved with the brace development and brace care of these kids for a long period of time. And doctor, tell us the most challenging time for families as they go through all of these interventions with their children. Tell us a little bit about that, the role of stretching for kids with clubfoot and also long-term. As you're telling us these challenges that families face, what can they expect long-term? So the challenges that we see the most, of course, initially having to come every week for cast changes is challenging for the families with a newborn. But the other challenge that we see pretty often is after the casting is over, compliance with bracing is key because clubfoot is a stubborn deformity and likes to come back because there is inherent 
tendency for contracture in the ligaments and tendons in children with club feet. So the foot has to remain stretched until they're about three years of age. So compliance with bracing and stretching is key because no matter if you get the foot completely corrected, if you don't keep the foot in the corrected position with the brace and stretching, the club foot will come back soon. And I think the challenge with the families is to keep the children in braces because some children will fight and that becomes a challenge for the family. And I think it's very important for them to know that compliance is key in preventing relapse of the deformity. As far as the outcome, there's several studies actually. We have about 40-year follow-up of children that were treated with this method out of Iowa. And basically, if you compare those adults with um, adults who have not had club foot deformity, you do not see much change in the daily function that they can perform. So they will be able to participate in sporting activities and same thing as other kids. Of course, their club foot side will always look a bit abnormal. The calf is always smaller than the other side if it's a unilateral case. But if they follow with the protocol and they respond well, they should expect good results and similar function to children who did not have a club foot deformity. So you mentioned that if certain things are changed or don't go the way they should, that it can relapse. What happens when that happens? And while you're telling us about relapse, please give us your best advice for other providers that are seeing children with clubfoot when you feel it's important they refer to the specialists at St. Louis Children's Hospital. So the relapse, as I said, it happens actually throughout the course of treatment in about 40 or 50% of children who were initially treated with casting. So relapse is something that happens in about 40 to 50%. The, the treatment depends on the time of the relapse. Typically, so for example, if it happens early on at age one or two, we typically treat it again with casting, so they have to have another round of casting. It typically responds well. If their child is older and there is some muscle imbalance in the foot after the casting, tibial anterior tendon transfer can be added in order to correct the dynamic muscle imbalance that is present. But all of these, as I said, even the club feet who have undergone the tibial anterior tendon transfer and has relapsed, it has been shown in the long-term four-year studies that they will do really well when you stick with the principles of casting treatment and treat them again with casting and tendon transfer if needed. So the thing with the relapse is you want to catch a relapse and treat it pretty early on. You don't want to hold a club foot deformity to recur before starting the treatment. So Typically, I mean, the first time we see a child that comes back for treatment that's starting some hill cord tightness or starting walking on the lateral border of the foot, I think that's the time to start the casting again and make sure we get the foot in the corrected position. And one thing that I always tell patients, if the foot is not corrected, bracing is not going to correct it. So the job of the brace is to hold the corrected foot in the same position. So if the foot is turning back into a club foot treatment, spending more time in the brace is not going to help. The foot has to be corrected again with casting and then braces will hold it in that position. Thank you so much, Dr. Hoysen Zada. What an informative episode Thank you again for joining us and sharing your expertise. To speak with Dr. Hoysenzada or to refer a patient to St. Louis Children's Hospital, you can call the Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP. Or you can always visit stlouischildrens.org. 
That concludes this episode of Radio Rounds, the podcast series from Washington University Pediatric Specialists at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other St. Louis Children's Hospital podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.